There's a saying in marketing that goes, half my advertising spend is wasted, trouble is I don't know which half. But it's no longer as true as it used to be. We can obviously track a lot of online behaviors. We can measure activity both online and offline, and we can link at least some of that data together. This whole thing is covered by a topic called marketing attribution. The idea being that we as marketers should be able to tell which of our go-to market programs are producing revenue and which are not, and then we can decide which ones we should cut and which ones to double down on. Now, it's not perfect. It's a leaky data pipe, and it can consume a lot of time and resource, particularly for small businesses. But it is a hot topic right now, so I wanted to dig deeper into the subject. And so today's interview is with Stefan Hedebrandt, and we look at the how and why of marketing attribution. Welcome to The Marketing Mix, where I talk to the smartest people I know in the world of business-to-business marketing and sales. We find out what makes these folks tick, how they stay ahead of the curve, and what trends they're keeping an eye on right now. I'm your host, Steve Cummins. I've built and run marketing teams at a number of tech companies, from Fortune 500 to fast-growth startups. And I found one of the best places to learn is from talking to people who are out there getting stuff done, people who are in the mix. Today, I'm talking with Stefan Hedebrandt, who is CMO and co-founder of Dream Data. They're a SaaS company based in Copenhagen uh, with a revenue attribution platform that's particularly focused on small and mid-sized B2B companies. And we're going to be talking about marketing attribution. Stefan, thanks for joining me on The Marketing Mix. <laughs> Thank you so much, Steve. And uh, since we have a common shared employer, I'm sure we have some similar examples that we can uh, return to as well uh, during this conversation, but but looking forward to it, Steve. Yeah, we, we have a few shared war stories, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Let's start with the basics. So I think marketing attribution, honestly, a lot of small companies don't even think about marketing attribution, at least early stages. And then once they're investing in things like Google ads, social media, then it's time for them to say, okay, let, let's take a look at this. So can you walk us through the basics of attribution specifically for B2B companies, you know, what it is, how does it work? Yeah, and I think uh, we should probably, if we can, like, we should almost park the, the attribution term uh, initially. Um, I think an easier way to, to, uh, to think about it is just like knowing the path that your customers took towards ending up in sales meetings with you and uh, understanding how, why they buy or how did they, they hear about you. And that, that, that to me kind of at least, I think I feel like I've seen in my career that the easiest way, easiest way to be successful with marketing is when once you start figuring out where does these, these great fit accounts come from and is there any tactics that we can replicate or just scale rather than having to, to reinvent the wheel every time we, we want to do an, a campaign. So to me, it's all about just trying to understand how do people hear about you and how, particularly how do the well-qualified people hear about you and then trying to do more of, of those activities. Now you can get at that from a very, uh, like, you'd say technical and data-focused point, point where you need engineers and everything that, to, to help you out. But there's also much simpler ways of, of going about this, or at least if, if you're starting out, it's, you know, start every uh, demo call, sales meeting with, hey, how did you folks hear about us? Like, where did you discover us? And like, 
remember to tell that those anecdotes to your uh, colleagues so you, your company starts to develop a, like a sense of what is this motion what is the like what is the recipe that we we carry out that leads us to having sales meetings or when people submit forms on your website you can offer them the option to tell you like how did you hear about us and that i think that it's super important that you as a company are act curious around this because you need to understand where the best accounts come from so you can do more of it and it's much easier if you have a team discussion about it rather than just developing your own narrative about what's going on yeah you're right we we easily fall into the trap of you know this jargon right there's a name for everything and as soon as you give it a name then it sounds complicated and it sounds like a big deal but you're right attribution is really just understanding where your customers or your potential customers come from right um, so you start off you start off slow right you start off with asking people right it's 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 always what we come back to with marketing it's like we'll talk to your customers that mm. that's really how you find it <laughs> so so you start to get a feeling for where people are, are finding you but then at some point presumably if you're investing significant money you know it's a typical problem with marketing i spend all this money on marketing and i'm not sure what's working and what's not working should i double down on facebook ads should i be doing something different with with my google ads um even you know which trade shows should i be going to right yeah. that's all part of this uh understanding the the marketing mix um so one of my fears for small mid-sized companies is you can spend an awful lot of time trying to work that out right whether you call it attribution or whether it's just trying to work out you know where you're where you're spending the money in, in the right places so from your perspective how do you justify the investment of time and money into whatever type of attribution that, that you're working on the funny way of saying is that how do you not justify it <laughs> right. because you're spending a lot of time and money every single week every single month on all sorts of activities that are supposed to drive uh, attention about what you do like think about that you're like the whole sales team you have you're paying their salary the whole marketing team salary the whole cs team salary everybody should be trying to be as data informed as they can about why are we doing these things like you can only spend a dollar once in your company so you want to be able to put that dollar where it looks like you get um, the most impact out of it so I think it, it's, uh, to me, it's something that I, I feel like you should be constantly thinking about how can I get the most effectiveness out of every dollar uh, I spent. Now that was kind of like a little bit indirect answer to it, but I would say once you're up in the, uh, once you're like a small business, just, you know, below 50 employees or something like that, uh, or even just starting out, it's of course it's a lot better of just doing a whole lot of stuff that feels right <laughs> because before you can do analysis there needs to be activity so of course in the beginning it's much better just to like you know get shit done rather than and trying to measure it but as you grow and the in the investment you have in in going to market uh, grows then you should really start thinking about this particularly if you're in b2b because it's classically much more complex to answer the question of what's what's actually going on and the reason for that is that 
you know that Steve as well that you know it takes six or 12 months from your initial marketing activity until it ends in your sales pipeline and you're selling to typically to a team or a buying committee of three four five six people so that's kind of it's not kind of that linear journey where it's just one person who clicks your ad comes to your website books a demo and buys the product no it's a lot of people that touches a lot of ad platforms and you know, there's this classic uh, messy image of a, of a customer journey where it suddenly starts to become very hard. But if you're spending, let's say, tens of thousands of dollars every month, this is something you need to take very seriously unless or you, you risk wasting a lot of those money if you're not able to connect those dots between what starts the journeys and what gets them signed and so forth. And honestly, a lot of people, when they first start out with paid ads, it's a few hundred bucks a month, right? So at that point, you're not doing a, an attribution model. But to your earlier point, you do at least want to make sure, you know, if something's coming out of that. As you get into the thousands, okay, now it's worth spending some, some time and possibly some, some money to, to work it out. I definitely feel your pain with the, you know, the complex buyer journeys, the six to 12 month sales cycles. So one thing that gets talked about a lot is, you know, which attribution model you use. So there's, there's the first touch, there's the last touch, there's, a, and the, there's, there's sort of various models within. Um, can you just give your views as to maybe how somebody should start out and then where they might get to with those models? Yes, and um, I wish it was easy to answer. I can, I'll tell you which model I like the most when I get to the end of my answer, but... First of all, um, using an ad ad attribution model, you should think very carefully about what it means or what you're applying uh, this model to. An attribution model is an advanced word of saying, let's look at all the touches we're aware about and then let's try to isolate the importance given whether that's the last thing that happened or the first thing that happened. Like a CRM system would typically have, uh, they have this thing that they call an original source. And what uh, that typically captures is the session within uh, the demo call gets booked. Now, uh, that's fine. Then it would say somebody came directly to your website and requested the demo call. But what typically leads, like in B2B, there's no demo calls that comes out of nowhere. You know, it's, uh, it's word of mouth or it's some marketing activity or outbound activity that we did that initiated this journey towards the session that captures the, uh, the booking. So if I were to use the, um, the CRM system as my source of truth for this attribution, it would say somebody came in directly to the website and booked a demo. First touch, last touch, whatever, it's just somebody who <laughs> converted. But what actually started the journey, if you look at it in though that kind of, let's say there's five sessions involved, <laughs> like marketing activity then somebody comes from organic search and then direct 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 because now the the url sticks in the browser if you're able to capture that whole session then it's quite meaningful to use a first touch model <laughs> like what is the first thing we know oh it was this marketing activity that we did that initiated this five-step journey that on the fifth visit we got our demo booking <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of flaws in what kind of model you you pick, particularly because the data is not as complete as people think it is. Then the next thing I want to point out to people is you should also think about 
towards which uh, um, business value is it that you do uh, attribution. So there's like last few years have been a lot of hate on this uh, M, uh, MQL or like marketing qualified lead speech. Uh, and some of it is justified and that's because marketers have forgotten what the, the Q, <laughs> Q word in the, in the MQL actually means. It means that somebody that is qualified, meaning that it looks like somebody we normally sell to uh, did something. But what I wanted to say with this little bit longer rant is that you don't want to just obsess about attribution to something that collects leads. You want to look about attribution of something that represents quality for your business. So that could be a sales opportunity or at best new business. So you can replicate what are the things that consistently start high quality out outcomes like sales opportunities or, 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 revenue, or revenue at best. Whereas if you obsess about just what, how can I do more of what just generates a lot of email addresses for us, that doesn't necessarily, that, that's most likely not going to correlate with what is the best thing you can do for your company in terms of producing quality uh, demand. And that was a long uh, explanation. Oh, and I promised to say my favorite model. If... If you're able to actually show the journey from first touch until revenue, then I really, really, really liked the first touch model because I think for a lot of cases, our responsibility as marketers is to start out a quality demand that ends up becoming sales much later. So if there's things we can consistently do that gets us attention from the right kind of people, that's why I want to use the first touch model to isolate what is it that starts the quality journeys for us. So particularly with some of these longer B2B cycles, you know, I've had leads that have come in and we get very excited because somebody booked a demo and we go back into the CRM and, and we talked to this person five years ago at a trade show, right? That was mm. the first time they got into the CRM. Yeah. And then you may not have heard from them for three years and then they were on a webinar. And then, so, so that's a lot of the value of this. It's not, as you say, that person just filling out a form on the website and saying, please give me a demo. As marketers, that's not particularly useful to us. We really want to know when was the first time we saw them. So if it is that trade show, okay, well, you know, now we have an idea that's a, that's a good trade show to go to. Mm. And then the, the back end of, of, of the, the customer journey, particularly with B2B, is a lot more complicated because it typically isn't a purchase on the site, right? It's not somebody going in and, and putting it in, in the shopping cart and giving mm. their credit card. Sometimes it is. But typically, it's then going and buying it from a, a reseller or, or, or yeah. some other activity. So I think to your point, ideally, you want to be able to track it from that first touch through every touch the, that they're doing and then get it to a point. If you can't get it to the point of purchase, get it to a point that you know converts at a certain percentage-wise. So for software, often that is a demo or you know a download or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So you really want to be able to track it in an ideal world with a very complicated model. Ideally, you'd, you would track it from the first time you talk to somebody, every time you talk to them, and what do they do that, that leads them into <laughs> to being a customer? And that's when it gets very complicated. So, so, I, so I think what we're saying here is when you're first starting out, first touch is probably a great way to look at it. But then as you're spending more money and you want to get a much closer look and better data, then you start building in these other levels to it. Yeah, I think 
essentially what we're trying to do is to help us make uh, smart decisions and uh, what what i'm typically uh, like the way i think about the product we build ourselves as well is like if you have like kind of a bell curve or like a normal distribution you want to be able to understand which of the activities we're doing is most likely a waste of money <laughs> and which of the things that we're doing looks very likely to be a good way to invest our budget and if you're just continuously able to like filter out the, the worst parts of your go-to-market and then reinvest those money um, into things you know work then like over time your your performance becomes more and more effective so we're not trying to make this kind of 50 50 calls we're more trying to make these calls of okay this is was a waste of time or this was a great investment in other words we're not trying to get the perfect data set out of this right we're not trying to say if i had a hundred dollars i know exactly where i spend that hundred dollars you're really saying i know there's a certain areas that i will not spend any of that money because you know we've seen that it doesn't drive anything and i will probably spend a larger chunk of it at these certain activities because i know these drive good activity but then there's these areas in the middle that you know you're probably not paying so much attention to, but you know you get something out of them. Mm, yeah, exactly. Like, if you know you at last year you like you created s ten sales opportunities out of the people you met at this conference, then yes, you should definitely book tickets for it again. Or the opposite, you had a big event budget and you can't trace any opportunities back to it. So maybe like you know try something else <laughs> than that. Yeah, yeah. So this isn't so much about am I running the right ads or, you know, have I perfectly hit the messaging? It's really a, am I, am I spending it in, in generally the right areas? And then I'm sure as you put more time and energy into it, you get better quality data and then it, you just, just decide where you, you know, where you want that balance to be. Our tools do go down to the, the individual ad that is running, but for most people, it's better just to think about being able to like find the winners and obvious winners and losers of, of your go-to-market. Right. So I'm glad you brought up MQLs as well, because I, I spend a lot of time talking to people about MQLs, because I think when you're first starting out, it's, it's a great model to use to start getting the marketing engine turning to, to build that bridge between marketing and sales, because mm -hmm. I think you and I have both experienced that, that if marketing and sales aren't talking the same language, then, you know, you're not going to, you're really not going to get where you need to be. So I think MQLs is, is an important part of this. Um, but there I am again, throwing more jargon in, right? So I'm, <laughs> I'm talking attribution, I'm talking MQLs. So yeah. if, if somebody is, is starting out with this, is interested in attribution, um, what are some of the steps that you would suggest they take to start building up maybe the data set and the capabilities to be able to look at that? Uh, it's a lot about thinking about this, you know, this, this Chinese proverb of the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And it's a bit the same here with the, with the data. We need to understand what's going on. That the moment you want to do the analysis, then it's too late because, you know, if the journey is 12 months, then in theory, you have to wait 12 months until, you know, <laughs> you have collected data. So get some good habits in there of, you know, make sure your, your website is tracked, make sure your salespeople doesn't just use their own mobile phone, but they use some sort of calling software. So you can see on that day you called this person or if you're, you know, a little bit old school language, but you collected 20 business cards at a conference, make sure you write that in the CRM saying, 
I met these people at this conference or if customer success is just a Gmail inbox, move it into like a proper tool for it. So like, go through all the places where you interact with customers and think through whether are we leaving behind digital traces of who, which account we speak to and who, which persons at these accounts are we speaking to. So that once you want to go and do a bit more of the, the complex analysis, then you have actually been generating information about this for, for months uh, already. Right. So rather than spending ages building the, the perfect you know, attribution plan, first thing is start collecting the data and then it gives you some breathing space to, to put the rest of it together. So you, you mentioned a couple of, um, I guess, software pieces to this. I think most people, if they're at this stage where they want to take this seriously, they already have a CRM up and running. They probably already have Google <laughs> Analytics set up. What, what are the other things that, um, that you think they would need? And, and you seem to find my, my suggestion that everyone has CRM funny, so maybe I'm wrong on that. So if, so if you want to talk about that as well, maybe, maybe you see it more than I do. Maybe that's not true. I, I think the, the hygiene around the CRMs differs a lot uh, from company to company, but it is extremely important that you care about having this point of access to accounts that you speak with and which people are part of which accounts and making sure every time a mail is sent, you log it to the account and you press call from within the CRM because that is going to be your foundation for understanding how you interact with customers. Um, the one component that people are typically missing in, in these digital companies we, we're, we're typically selling to is that they haven't found a first party uh, tracking solution for their website. And mm. that sounds a little bit advanced, but what it means is that if you're relying on Google Analytics to track uh, your website, Google owns that data and is the one that uh, they, you know, they can basically do it with it what they want. Uh, and you're typically not able to join identifiable um, data together with tracking data from Google. So you need to find somebody who can track your website and store it directly into uh, that tracking data into a um, data warehouse that you own so that you can join like these informations about some user on your website did X, Y, C with, oh, it was actually Steve that pushed through this form from this company. And those that only have Google Analytics available as the source of, of tracking the website, they're not able to make this joint of kind of some random user did something together with, oh, it was actually Steve from this company. So a CRM and then some kind of first party tracking solution that you know, could be Dream Data, but could be Segment.com or a lot of other suppliers out there can, can do it as well. And, and the challenge with Google Analytics, uh, and I, I don't get that deep into Google Analytics, so set me straight if, I, if I'm saying something wrong here. So, so it's sort of a twofold problem. One is they, they're concerned about privacy, at least they claim they are, right? So, so some of the data is hidden. And then in my experience, a lot of it is, as well is because of their whole ad engine and the basics behind that, they, they actually don't want to share too much of this information because it can undermine some of the other ways that they're monetizing it. Is that fair? Yeah, and then on top of this, if we're speaking B2B, uh, Google has no account concept. They only mm. have the concept of individuals. So that it, it's quite a good uh, solution if you're selling you know, B2C, like a running shoe. So 
this user clicked this ad, came to our website and checked out, and then you, you can see how much <laughs> those shoes cost. But in B2B, we, we, are, we are challenged by the fact that there's five people that are probably using one or two or three devices. And the journey started in January and now it's late August and they still haven't bought. And there's no, as we talked about before, there's no revenue component in, in B2B on the website typically. So the money you have to typically pull from the CRM system, which is, has nothing to do with what's going on on, on Google Analytics. So I would say if you're in B2C and listen to this, Google Analytics can, can be just, can be an okay solution. But in B2B, there's like, you have to have some kind of account concept and how to get revenue components joined together with the activity of people on your website and so forth. So there's a lot of challenges uh, in B2B marketing and that's probably also what makes it fun <laughs> as well. And I think it's quite unusual because you're the dream data tool, you you've very out front saying this is a tool for b2b revenue yeah. attribution um so clearly part of that is based on on what you just talked about and maybe the complexity of the journey but it is actually uh, like the backbone the differentiator is that we we have account timelines whereas if you're in b2c you only have timelines of individuals so if four people are part of a deal we would look at this this deal as all those four people on this account moving from from you know first touch until people buy the reason why you need to be able to do that is that the person that initiates the journey quite often isn't the one that signs the contract so if not able to like line all those docs into the same row then you have cost a lot of costs on initiating the journey that might only give you like a newsletter sign up and then six months later, you get revenue from some person that just came in directly and signed a contract. And that's where marketing starts just to look like an expense. Whereas if you can like follow that timeline, it's like in our data model, it says Steve, Stefan, etc. They're all part of this timeline and the revenues are out here to the right. And it started with this guy clicking this ad. So that is like... If you're out there thinking about this problem, you need to find a, a vendor which like in the core, in the stomach of it has a timeline that has an account concept and not just a concept of individuals uh, doing stuff. I don't know if it makes sense, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, you know, I, I often hear this. I see it a lot on LinkedIn, this whole idea. Well, B2C and B2B is the same for marketers. And it really isn't. There are a lot of the basic concepts are the same, but, but this is one of those areas where it diverges. You're right. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a buying committee. It's a complex journey. And, and I think that that's what makes B2B marketing, as you said, much more interesting, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it's, it's much more complex and you've got to sort of you know, build these, these things together. Yeah. Uh, so, so you made the comment earlier that this is quite a long journey, right? Because depending on what your sales cycle is, to do anything useful with this, I would say you, it's probably 2x your sales cycle before you really know if this is paying off. So what are the things that you look at along the journey as somebody's putting this system into place to say, okay, yeah, this, we're moving in the right direction. We're getting the right kind of data. This is going to get us where we need to be. I think it's, uh, I think what you said before, Steve, as like finding uh, proxies for what is a good outcome for you because we can't sit back and just wait for six or 12 months to, for something to, to happen. 
we need something that has a shorter uh, feedback loop and typically you know, getting a demo call booked on your website can have some causality to it. Like we just sent this email and then one or two days later or even immediately people start booking demo calls or we launch this new ad campaign and demo calls get booked. Ideally you go as far as to contracts that are signed, but then you can kind of reverse engineer your way down through uh, the funnel um, to places where there can be some kind of feedback loop to whether it's meaningful uh, or not, the things that you're doing. I think it's, uh, it's super important to hold yourself up to high standards of what what is quality demand for your company. So what I mean by that is that like if you as a marketer are not frequently talking to the sales team about the leads that are coming in, whether they are happy with them or unhappy, I don't think you as a marketer is doing your job correctly because in B2B marketing, there's only one scorecard at the end of the day, and that's when your company sells more. It's not that you hit your MQL target. It's, it's money that needs to, to, to get in there. So you need to be able to like pay super much attention to what, whatever conversions are coming in. Does it look like the typical ideal customer of your company or not? And if it doesn't look like the right people that are coming through the door, you probably have to go uh, adjust the activities that you're doing today. I think you're right. The number one thing is communication, right? If the sales team are frustrated, you as a marketer better better hear about that pretty quickly and not just find out six months from now at the sales meeting when, when everybody's complaining. So yeah, I think that communication's key. Yeah. So this is obviously a very complicated subject. We've only really scratched the surface in, in you know, the half hour that we have here. So. Maybe you could share some of the places you go, some of the resources you have to keep up on your know, marketing attribution, B2B marketing, so that if people want to learn more, you know, they can go check some of these places out. I, I tend to find the people that inspire me on LinkedIn and, uh, and try to, to connect with them uh, or at least follow them and their activities on LinkedIn. So I think that's probably my, my greatest source of, uh, of inspiration. Um, and then I think besides that, today there's there's Slack communities for almost any kind of niche. So whatever topic you're interested in, try to go to Google and put in the topic there and write a Slack channel or something like that. Then typically there people tend to share uh, like really niche uh, geeky stuff in in those channels. Yeah, once once you really want to get down into the details so all right so first thing we would say is people should come and follow you on linkedin <laughs> and then they'll see who you're following and what you're sharing and, and that's a good way to get into it uh, so one last question so this is the marketing mix I, I think of it as the kind of conversation i would like to have with interesting people over a drink um or a coffee yeah <laughs> so if we were doing that what would be your drink of choice uh, i think i would take a negroni <laughs> Some strong stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we're recording this on a Monday morning, so I'm hoping you're not having a Negroni <laughs> right now, but, but you've got that to look forward to, to at Wonderful the end of the week, team. right? Yeah. Well, hey, Stefan, I really appreciate you sharing your, your expertise here. Um, and again, it's dreamdata.io. I'll put the link in the show notes, and I look forward to talking again soon. See you, Steve. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Mix. If you have suggestions or would like to be a guest on the show, visit our website at themarketingmixpodcast.com. In my consulting practice, I help founder-led companies and small businesses punch above their weight. 
providing the marketing strategy and know-how needed to take your company to the next level. More details are at solentstrategies.com. See you next time on The Marketing Mix.